Estás escuchando el peor podcast de la historia, Anchors App with Jeremy Gavey. Lo peor que le ha pasado a los barcos desde el Titanic es pura basura. You're listening to Anchors Up Podcast with Jeremy Gaby. Sammy Town, in studio. How's it going, man? I'm good. How you doing? Good, good, man. Good to have you. Um, so, so uh, I thought you were living in uh, in, so- in SoCal, but you, you moved to Arizona. Yeah, we moved in July, uh, in the middle of the pandemic. We moved to Tucson, Arizona, um, and so far so good. Uh, it was uh, I like Tucson. We've gone through there maybe two years ago that was it we we did this tour that i would not try and undertake again we play we did uh it was uh nine shows in 11 days from oakland to mexico city and back driving six thousand miles is it in a van or something in a van yes <laughs> uh six guys six thousand miles nine shows 11 days our first show was in oakland uh and the farthest show was mexico city uh and we wow. drove we drove yeah and so that's gritty you're uh, just all sleeping in the same it was farts and yeah you know i mean that, that part you know but just trying putting i mean i'm not young anymore yeah. by any means either you know and and i tend to do about 80 percent of the driving you know uh, and so driving six thousand miles you know and at that kind of a pace, you know, I, I, are, are your band, are bandmates sober? Some of them are. Okay. Uh, and then some of them aren't. So know? they're like, he can drive. Yeah. <laughs> He's cool. I just, I tend to like driving. Yeah. I actually, I don't, you know, um, I, I like to drive, so I, I do a lot of the driving and that's fine. But yeah, that was a, that was a, a brutal tour. Um, it, but in that tour, we ended up playing in Tucson. hadn't played in Tucson for quite a while, and uh, we actually played this guy's memorial. It, it just wow. happened to coincide. They were they were doing a memorial show for this this local punk rock guy who'd been around forever, and uh, a friend of mine, Lenny Mendel from the Berserkers down there. I told him, you know, we were coming through, and he goes, "Well, you can play this memorial if you want, you know." Uh, and I'm like, "We're totally down, you know. Yeah. We'd love to." And so, I really liked Tucson the sort of downtown you know uh a lot of cool people and uh and i i was looking for a change um i'd been working in treatment uh drug and alcohol treatment in southern california for a year and had just gotten burned out pretty quick yeah you know it's it's easy you know it and 
especially with the stats, right? Like there, there's you know x amount of people that are gonna be successful and x amount that won't, and and when you're when you're invested, like as a as a, your person is invested, you know, it, it it's it it's hard it tears you down, man. Like yeah, like like uh, you know, okay, that's cool. I can go on to another one, but then eventually, you know, like you're like, man, this is just rough, and uh, and I, I I struggle with that, right? Because I think that that there that there's a there's a balance. I don't think that that that's AA or NA, and I don't I don't think it's Scientology. Have you heard about their their views on it? Scientology views. Yeah. I don't know. I think uh, they're the whacked old, out of their mind. But, uh, you, you, but they, they throw you in the volcano. I can't. Well, remember. no. They, 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 you, you should have it in your pocket. You should have it in your pocket. And you got you, dope in your pocket. Dope in your pocket. Walk around, and uh, if you can come back here with the same dope, the same amount of dope. Yeah, have a scale. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some guy. They're not going to regulate it. it. I'm pretty good at you know. Some yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good job. And I'll always wear the same. High, but <laughs> yeah. uh, but that, that's their idea, you know, and I, I think that that's, but that's real. And, and the, the, the fact that, you know, AANA is, is all about distancing, you know, and, and, you know, cutting yourself off from, from this and that. But that, I don't, that, that's I don't not, know if I agree with that, you well, know, because I, I think that uh, AA and NA, they don't suggest you walking around with it in your pocket. Right, right. Well, but, I'm talking about the, the middle ground between the two. Right, like, you know, so what, like harm reduction or uh, no, not harm reduction. I mean, if if you're if if it needs to happen, there there are people that definitely need to not do drugs or alcohol, yeah. and uh, and which is like the ten percent of the population possibly can you know it's a very small percent of the population that really become drug addicts and alcoholics. Right. The rest of the ninety percent can party. What do, what do you think? Do you think, it's a, do you think it's a genetic thing, or do you think it's a you think it's uh nurture, it's, nature or nurture? Yeah, yeah, what do you think? Uh that's a uh, you know, that's a question for smarter people than me. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I like to stab at it, you know, yeah, like things I, like that. It, I think that it can it can go both ways. What I think we're seeing right now, especially with the opioid epidemic, is that it's it's it can be created uh you know, with m- misuse of power. In other words, you know, I think that Especially, you know, more so with with opioids, right. you know, where you know there's a physical withdrawal, you know, that's pretty intense, right. that comes around fairly early on. Um, you know, I, I think that we're finding people that normally wouldn't have ended up as drug addicts that maybe weren't genetically predisposed or right. uh, 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 socially predisposed. Right. And, and, uh, but the, the, and, nowadays, you know, there's 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 guys that that uh, had a football injury, yeah. you know, and then yes. they, and then they're be- then they're on it, you know. and then that's all they need. And 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 why shut that down if you're the if you're the drug companies, man? Like no, they yeah. the drug companies created the opioid epidemic, and then they they followed it up with Suboxone, and yeah. uh, you know, so they I, actually I was just on the phone talking because Pfizer's pushing, you know, they, to make all this money on the you know pandemic the. Uh, COVID-19 vaccine yeah. and I'm like well the eight billion dollars they paid out to the opioid epidemic from right. getting sued by it is a drop in the bucket to what they're about to make anyway right. you know they're gonna cash in so hard you know I'll, t- I'll tell you I, I never I, I never fucked with opi- opi- opioids at all and and I got uh I, one time I was in I was in the hospital and they gave me some morphine or whatever I was like that's awesome you know but that, that I didn't seek it you know, after that, but uh, a buddy of mine, my roommate, 
was, was had suboxone, mm-hmm. and that's that's what this, that's what he took every day. Yeah, every day, yeah. and and he gave me some, and he said, "Put this under your tongue, and we'll see what see what happens." I almost lost my job the next day. Like I I was so I couldn't From talk. Suboxone. I couldn't talk. I wow. couldn't talk. Because usually it doesn't get people high. No, not high. I, I wasn't high. I just couldn't function like oh, a regular weird. person. You huh. know, and I was like, "You take this every day," you know. Yeah, and, and and it's in another buddy of mine is uh is here local and and every day just uh in the methadone clinic methadone clinic yeah. methadone clinic yeah, yeah. and i'm like i'm like are they taping you in your office no no they're not taping me off i'm like why not like why? no i i'm i'm you know uh i hate methadone yeah I, the, the the you know i mean i i understand harm reduction and uh but methadone in particular particular is is to me it's a I mean, it is super insidious, you know, and I think it keeps a lot of people stuck, yeah. you know. Uh, it was funny because, you know, like I've been on methadone many times in my life, and the last time I went to the methadone clinic, you know, they have what's called the 21-day detox, you know, and I went to sign up for yet another 21-day detox, and the counselor there, he'd been there 10 years, and, uh, you know, he sits me down, and he's running through me all, all the questions, you know, and and and. I was probably being a little flippant, but I said, you know, uh, just out of curiosity, I said, will you answer a question for me? And he said, well, yeah, what? I said, okay, have you actually ever really known, she'd been working there 10 years, anyone who's ever really gotten clean off a 21-day methadone detox? And he said, no. no I, I, you know, we, I mean, which, it's like, call it what it is, you know? I mean, they, yeah. they act like this is something that, that works, even though... Everybody that works in the methadone industry absolutely knows that it doesn't work, you know. Right. There's, I mean, and that's the twenty-one day detox that you know is. I, I've had people that, that I know that 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 do heroin or do or do opiates or something, and and they say that that they have never known anybody to quit it. You know, and I think that that the part of that is that because if they did, you'd never talk to them again. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I've known I've known two people. Okay, I'm 55. I've known a lot of junkies in, yeah. in, the, in my your, days. Yeah, you a lot that. of them, you know. And uh, so, out of hundreds and hundreds of people, I've known two people that have successfully like been on methadone for a, a fairly extended period of time, and and come come off it, and and then move move on with their life right. and never really you know and, and haven't fallen back into drug addiction. So uh, one. Uh, was on methanol for 26 years and you know he very much got into recovery and and works a you know a recovery program uh and the other one um he did methadone i want to say for about five years and then when he got off he was about five years in recovery um and and now he drinks and is you know fairly fairly normal you know uh you know and but those are the, like out of hundreds and hundreds yeah. and hundreds of people, I know those are the only two that have actually really successfully made that jump. You know, it's, it's wild. You know, I've known a lot more people that have done it with Suboxone. Really? Yes. Yeah. That that you know, uh, I think that um, most people, like you said, Suboxone actually affected you. Most people, it doesn't really. You know, like methanol gets you high. You know, if you don't have. Oh, a if, habit, if, I, if I'm not a habit, you habit know, yeah. But uh, Suboxone doesn't usually have too much of a of an effect on somebody other than keeping them from getting sick. The, I, 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 
since I was a, a young kid, I've, I've never, I haven't taken any like uh, like prescription pills, and, and even when it was when it was when it was the shit amongst my friends, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, I didn't, you know, I, I was like, yeah, I don't want to get laid out. I want to not out in a party, you know. It was more about the, you know, let's do the uppers, let's do the good shit, you know. But uh, what I what I what I found later was that 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 as I was doing these uppers with these people that were doing the, the downers was they were only doing that as a as a as a crutch for their heroin addiction you know like they, they were like they were getting that was the that was to keep them up a little that wasn't that wasn't their that wasn't their carrot that was their cake you know it was it was it was it was, it was uh something like that and that and i'm like whoa we're not even into the same shit really you know and uh you know and plus you know it, you can you can uh, really fucking sideways bend on a downward spiral um, with that shit too. So it is, but I think quitting that is 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 nothing compared to you know opiates. I think. I mean, I you know I I've, I've certainly watched people on on. I I used to very much have that like, uh, you know, kicking heroin is the worst thing in the world. But you know, it's uh, the. It's physically worse than other things, but you know I think the the mental anguish is kind of you know kind of equal across the board. You know once you've gotten you know that that there are people get addicted to crack or cocaine, you know, or, or speed or or whatever, and you know trying to trying to get away from it, you know, it's uh, it's very very difficult. The the numbers are not good, you know. So let's let's so br- so bring it back to. Before Fang, you were way back, way back. Um, what was it? Uh, God, the, what was your garage band? Uh, what shut up or tr- something of destruction? Um, God, I can't think of it. I had a like a, my first band was Reign of Terror. Reign of Terror, yeah, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> was, it, 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 it was way said, way back. I wanted to. I wanted to make a T-shirt. When I when I heard that, I wanted to make we it we you, made yeah, sure yeah, we did. We had we, you know the old school you know where you cut out a stencil and yeah, spray paint. Yeah. You know we had Reign of Terror shirts. I certainly don't have a Reign of Terror. I've lost right. lost any Reign of Terror gear. We actually had a a songbook too uh, that we put together. You know it had like all the lyrics of songs. You know and, we, and like, some of the other guys some of the guys went went on to their own things. And uh, the uh, the guitar player uh, Turner Babcock, he went on to play in uh, Special Forces and some other Bay Area punk rock bands. He died a few. Well, it's been a long time now. He died some years back, but he was sort of a a uh, Special Forces. He played in some other bands, but Special Forces was probably the the most well known, at least in the East Bay underground of the bands he played in. And he so, he was a staple though in the the Bay Area punk rock scene. So you started out. I think you said. I saw that you you played bass in your your first band and Reign of Terror. I yeah, was a bass yeah, player. Yeah. yeah, and then and then did you did you ever was it ever in your head was it was it a drive thing like you're like I know, I know I'm gonna fucking succeed. This is gonna be this is gonna be the shit. Or was it just kind of autopilot? Or I, I I don't think it was about you know like you looking at it from the viewpoint of it being six as like success. Like right. there was no drive for success. It was drive for. Uh, annihilation, <laughs> you right. know, it was like right. very nihilistic, um, and uh, so, um, but it was, 
uh, it was an outlet, and it, it Rain of Terror. We never played live, you right. know. Like we played in uh, mostly my folks uh, in the garage. Yeah, in the garage, you know? yeah. Yeah, and um, um, and Shut Up though. Shut Up was a band that that actually had um, some other guys had put together, and they had another singer. And I don't know what I don't know why the other singer stopped singing, but they approached me. They said, "Hey, why don't you know you you want to come sing for us?" And I'm like, "Sure, you know I'll totally do it." And that was the first band I ever played live in, and um, it was uh, it was I, I don't easy. I guess you know it was not no stage fright no no like okay I'm, here, I I'm doing say, this say that there was never stage fright but you know alcohol was really good yeah for yeah that, <laughs> yeah you know? yes you know when you're 14 years old a couple beers yeah. and you know all the fear is gone and you know uh, and especially because you know like in in punk rock it's sort of more anime you know like I would often end up you know bloody and you know I was a I was like a kid you know I mean a yeah. 14 year old kid you know bouncing off the fucking walls you know <laughs> and so uh, it, it, it uh, at least for me that part of it you know I, I felt came fairly easily you know well that that, that uh, I think you explained in an interview that uh, that, the, that that scene was accepting of people, anybody, you know, if, you, if you're, you know, if you're an outcast, if you're a fucking whoever, you know, it's like, yeah, right on, come on, kid. Because if you were willing to sort of commit, you know, because there was a commitment to yeah. being a punk rocker. To look, yeah, it looked like one, right? Yeah, and, like, and you, and it was a, it was a risk, Yeah, you know, you yeah. walk down the street yeah. in 1979, 1980, you know, 78, uh, looking like that, you had a target on your back. Right. You know, and so there was, uh, so we were, so anybody who was willing to sort of make that commitment, you know, we had each other's backs. You know? It's funny that like old movies, like the eight, early 80s movies, you know, when like, when the bad people show up to parties, you know, they're always like, you know, like get the fucking mohawks and, you know, <laughs> maybe a fucking, maybe a motorcycle or two, but uh, that, yeah, that was the standard. Back in the day. But the the reality was, you know, like uh, usually if we tried to roll into a party, it was you know we would get uh, immediately jumped by jocks, and it would, right. you know it wasn't you know like uh, um, at least you know in the East Bay, uh, if we ever crashed a party, sometimes we would try and go crash frat parties because they had free beer, you nice. know. But that always ended up horrible for us usually because you know they would. I'm sure some people were like, "We're well, let's let these guys in," you know. But then there's always the guys that. And usually, it. it was not a lot of people. <laughs> now you you're from Berkeley originally. Yeah, I mean, that's where I grew up in the East Bay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my dad uh, he uh, taught at UC Berkeley, and I've talked about that before. I think a lot of the the East Bay scene uh, was a lot of university brats. You know, a lot yeah. of us their their parents worked at Cal Berkeley. You know. My dad was a was a Berkeley cop. Oh and, wow! And all through the all through the 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 sixties, yeah. damn. And and he he he, uh, he got out of it. Um, towards the end, he was he was doing really noble shit, you know, like youth services, you know, and uh, you know, community shit. But he did he did narcotics. He did he did homicide. He did 
and he was a beat cop forever. But uh, all yeah, all through the sixties and seventies and all the hippie shit and uh, all that. But but uh, maybe I've got uh, you ever seen the Berkeley Barb? No. It's it's like it was like an old street magazine, you know. And there's uh, I've got uh, I found an old copy. Actually, my my mom had uh, passed. She passed away a year ago. So there was a bunch of old stuff in her house, and there was an old Berkeley Barb, you know, and it's from like '67. It's got the protest, like, and it's got all these pictures of all like Berkeley cops yeah. from then all yeah. lined up, you know, which was kind of interesting because, given the protests that have been happening, and you know the the policing and everything that's been going on, how how little things have changed, right? You know, it, it, it it's so weird, right? Like like I feel like. As somebody that really enjoyed the, the, the fact that you could, you could pretty much joke about anything about three years ago, you know, and then all of a sudden now everything's just not cool. I'm like, are we going backwards? Are, are we really like, and then, and police brutality and Black Lives Matter. It's like, haven't we dealt with that? Are we moving forward slowly? But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it seems so so backwards that we're even talking about it but but uh i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that i'm living on the east coast or on the west coast and uh you know it's a bubble here yeah to a degree you know and then i i think that that is that's absolutely true you know i i think um you know there are it's funny because uh i was i was talking to a guy a while ago you know and he was um he was resentful about the fact that, you know, we used to be able to joke about anything and, you know, yeah. that things have, had changed, you know, but this guy's white guy my age, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, think about it this way is like when you were 16 years old, you know, some 55 year old white guy said, well, you know, like you kids are fucking it all up for us. And what would you say to him? You'd say, go fuck yeah. yourself, you know? And so I think it's important, at least for me, and it's important for everybody to to be aware that you know to listen to the young people and it's like okay maybe some of the things that are happening now are are, are uncomfortable to right. us old white right, guys right, right. but god damn it you know it's it's like if we were 60 like i would fucking stab my fucking you know my 16 year old self would fucking stab me in an alley today, <laughs> you know right you know and so and that's okay you know but I, that's what i think i think it's really important to uh, to listen to you know because that that was us right. you know and and I think it's important to remember that you know and although the things that that are happening today are look a little different than what was happening back then you know I think like in the punk rock scene things like that we were trying to move forward and this is right. a, a way that the youth of today are trying to move forward and uh, I think we need to honor that you know you know I struggle with on a daily basis is uh is re- is retarded? You can't say that anymore. And uh, it's and, r- <laughs> rough if you're from the East Coast, especially. Yes, I mean, know, this is what you say. You a, did something retarded. Yeah, it was a big one on the East Coast. More so, I think. Are you from? You know, you're from. No, I'm from here. From yeah, here, from East here. Bay. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's just one of those things. That it's just so ingrained in you. And like, and faggy was kind of like that too. Or fag, you know, was 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 never a, a derogatory term. Well, I mean, it was towards gay people, but you know, it was used. When your friend was doing something faggy, yeah. you know, and 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 it's just a and and there's things that it just it's just not 
I'm okay with it not being used, and I, I, I'll adjust to it. But then when you accidentally slips out and people are just floored, you know, at the audacity that you would say something like that, like, man, that's how I grew up, you know? Yeah, you know, that's things. I mean, I think that the important thing is, you know, uh, that because I, I find, especially in, uh, and this is surprising to me, I, well, I don't know actually that that's true, nothing surprised me anymore in a lot of ways, <laughs> but especially you get these old old punk rock guys and they're like, they get super resentful, you know, that things, you know, uh, like they can't say things like that anymore when that was fairly standard for a long right. time and it's like, well, okay, but now you're like, now you're like the people that you were rebelling against right. when you were a kid, so why don't you, you know, think about that for a minute, you know, and then, uh, yeah, is that, do you really want to be the guy that's like, Hey kid, get off my yard. And it's yeah. like, that's not who I want to be. You know, Bill Burr has a great, great, great set that he, he's, t he's talking about like the, the duck dynasty guys. And, and, uh, <laughs> yes. and he's like, and he's like, what did you think they thought? You know, you, you grab these guys out of the fucking, right, you know, right, right. You and then you're surprised that they make <laughs> like, racial, right. uh, you know, statements that right. are, you know, piss everybody off. It's like, yeah, exactly. And it, but same kind of thing, but but uh, extended a little bit. You know, it you, you grow up a certain way, and then some people are resistant to being progressive, and some people aren't. But but I'm I'm, I'm all for it. But uh, but uh, you know, there's some there's some. Uh, Hard times in between, you know. Uh, some adjustments. <laughs> yeah, adjustment times. Some adjustments, yeah. So, uh, so, so, tell me about when, uh, when, when Fang became popular. Like, like that was the, um, what album was that? That was. Well, so, uh, I mean, our the first record, you know, that we did, Land Shark. I think it. Um, there weren't as many bands that were putting out records back then either. Right. You know, so. Um, I think that the, it was it was a bigger deal to put out a, a record back then. Who signed you now. originally? Well, our guitar player Tom, he created his own record label. Get out, you know, and so and that was also, um, you know, it was happening, you know, but it was pretty early on, and uh, college radio really made a huge difference because you know we put out this record and then you send it out to college radio stations all over the country, and then. For us, what we did and what we continue to do, or well, what we continue is we toured. You know, we we went out there and just you know went out on the road and, and played, and um, and so uh, those things, you know, like a the underground, the college radio music, you know, scene that had become um, a lot of the college radio stations had started. They had you know punk rock shows or at least people that played you know alternative music uh, um, I think made a big difference and then and then touring and then coming back again you know like touring uh, every year you know we would go out on the road for months at a time how, how did that get set up so so you're 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 are you, you got a manager or do you have a we, we all just it was just, all di really? DIY and so, so a tour meant that you're gonna go uh, we'll go to Phoenix, and then we'll we'll talk to somebody in so and so. Was it, well, it was you would set it up before you know okay. most time before cool. you left, you know. But yeah. you'd have like you know three months worth of shows. It was all done on the phone, you know. And you um, you know awesome. you call, find out from people like okay, uh, you know it was 
it's also a much smaller scene in yeah. that everybody kind of knew everybody and so if anybody played yeah like in, every city had a place yeah, right or a two or, or, or a guy you know yeah. oh you guys are going through fucking yeah. Rochester yeah. then call Benny Right. You know, and and he'll find a place to for you guys to play, and a place for you, you guys crash. to stay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was very much how it was. You know, you you just, um, and so we all had these, you know, lists of phone numbers. You know, from people that we'd met all over the United States, oh, wow. and then all the bands. You know, like uh, we all would exchange phone numbers. You know, um, and. Uh, that's that's how you just set things up. You just call people and uh, and then it was also we had there was because uh, phone calls, long distance phone calls, yeah, they cost money. Cost money back yeah. then. So um, and you know, I you know, not everybody, <laughs> not everybody in the scene was from the hustling side, like you know, like I was. But right. you know. Uh, there was a lot of phone card hustling that we did, uh, and uh, one of one of the things that I would you know do is I got one of those. Um, it's a clip phone that uh, I don't even remember where I ended up procuring it from, but you could go to an, an apartment building, you know, and they had their bank of phones, and you just go and clip on. Somebody's wires. Oh yeah, yeah. So the the ones that the guys that, that yeah, worked on them the had. Phone, yeah, 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 the phone. So I got a hold of one of those, and so I would just like cruise around, find an apartment building, and then you clip on, you can listen, and if nobody's on the on the phone, then you just start making phone calls. Did, you did know? they ever? Did, did somebody ever inter inter like uh, interject in your conversation? Like every once in a while, yeah, yeah somebody yeah. would pick up, like they were going to make a phone call, and they'd be like, "Hello, hello," and then you're like, "Hey, I got to go. I'll call you back." You know, and, I never had one of those, but I know that that if you had a two-way radio or or something or maybe walkie-talkie you could tap into the guys that had had a, a cordless phone oh wow you know and, and you listen you listen to all kinds of crazy conversations and, and know everything that's going on in the neighborhood you know and i lived in some seedy places so that was kind of fun but. yeah keep you entertained at yeah night. yeah you know that's yeah I don't, I don't know that one but so so con were you constantly touring at this at this point were you well we we toured we toured a lot you know but and we when we would go out we would go out like i said for you know like two three months sometimes i think the longest tour we ever did was like a five-month tour you know that was pretty pretty extensive and sometimes you'd end up staying like you'd end up in baltimore f more for a week you know and uh and i mean there were times where were we i think it was uh Newport, Kentucky, but what's the city right next to it? There was a place called the Jockey Club, and it's on the border. Uh, I don't know, I can't remember. Uh, Cincinnati, maybe? Um, but we were, you know, we were there for a week, and we were, like, waiting for another show, but we were broke. Yeah. So we were out there, like, I would go out and, and spare change for, you know, Top ramen and Get beer, out, really? you know, and uh, it's so it's so know. backwards of what you what what the common person would think that it would be like, you know. You think that it'd be chicks and you know, and and uh, and all that, but the, but but money goes quick, right? Like you have uh, how much are they getting paid for the gigs? Oh, God, you know, I mean, I don't even like very if, little. If you and, got paid, yeah. yeah, I mean, if we got paid, you know, and um, usually it was enough to. You know, put gas in the tank to get you to the next city and feed us, and yeah. hopefully, uh, 
you know, hopefully we get, you know, drunk, you know, yeah. in the arena for beer and, uh, you know, but it was also, you know, like it was not, um, it was, uh, I loved it. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. it was, it was uh, I, I did a similar situation, but I, but, uh, but I was, I was selling generators and compressors and, and, and power equipment at the back of a truck. And we went from hotel to hotel to hotel. Yeah. And then if you ran, if you didn't sell, you ran out of money, and then you were fucked. You know, and people went home all the time, and you know, and uh, it was just you just keep it going as long. as Yeah. You can and and, and I, I went to this company. I think uh, I was I don't know twenty or something. And uh, and within six months, they had their 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 yearly party, and and I I had made top salesman in that six months. And like the people that owned it were the Maloofs. They owned the Palm Casino. They owned like uh, the distribution for Coors Light, Coors Light uh, and a bunch of other shit. But uh, but they're like they're like like grabbed me and like we're gonna keep this guy, you know. And uh, and but uh, but just the, the travel. Every person should do it. Every young person should should oh. find a way to fucking travel the United States. I've been every state. And, uh, and and even like we we moved, you know went to Germany that way too you know and, and Europe yeah. that way too you know it was very seat of our pants you know yeah. uh, but it was the same thing uh, Dave from MDC we ended up living in Germany for a year because of a phone number I got from Dave from MDC you know and it's like and dude you know, they, they got a they still got a tough scene out there right like in uh, in in Europe Germany and. And uh, they they are hanging on pretty tough. I get. I mean, yeah, we went back finally because I was wanted by Interpol for for a long time, and so I, you know, and then I mean, I was incarcerated for a long time, but I had to wait for the statute of limitations to run out, you know, and uh, even after I'd gotten out of prison, and so we went back a few years, and there there definitely still is a scene. I I we were supposed to go back this summer, or you know, summer of 2020, which obviously didn't happen right. know, because of the pandemic. Yeah. I feel like I'd be more scared of like of, of a like Eastern Ukrainian like punk than I would be anybody from the United States. I, <laughs> I could see yeah some of the uh, the uh, like you said Eastern Ukrainian some of the Russian angst you yeah. know just built up. Yeah. That, that's the thing. I, I think that um, I, I was around I was around it and uh, and a lot of my friends you know were going to shows and and and. I just I wasn't I wasn't that angry yet, you know. <laughs> I wasn't that angry at anything, you know. I'd had a pretty good life, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was like, you know, uh, I'll just stick with Green Day, okay? Is it okay, All right? You know, that's just really, really scary, you know. But uh, but a bunch of my buddies, that, and 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 it was it was an outlet, you know. It was mm-hmm. an outlet for them, and they were like, and they were they were really angry, or 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 just needed that that camaraderie that come, came right. with it you know and it, and uh and that was really cool to see so um so at what point so you went to you went to prison at at what point in in fang's uh Career, rise right. to start him well i think it was we had things because of my drug addiction and and everything else uh, uh, it we were uh things had started to unravel you know, and it, and it was so. You know, it, it was different times. I I you know people talk about selling out and talk about the, you know this and that and and it 
you didn't talk about it back then the same way people talk about it later, like in the 90s and the 2000s, you know, as far right. as, you know, like, um, there wasn't uh, a, nobody was talking about bands selling out in, in far, as far as in the punk rock scene in the 80s because nobody nobody, done nobody it. wanted to buy them. <laughs> yeah, you nobody know, done it. Like, there was no there was, was no opportunity to sell. Who do you think was the first? Who do you think was the first that actually like made that. Made, made big money yeah. as a punk rock band? Yeah. Well, actually, originally, it was the ir- irony is is that you know like the Damn, the Sex Pistols, yeah, the yeah, first Sex English Pistols, band, yeah. they were all on major labels. Yeah. You know, and so the whole scene started from bands that if they were put sort of through that same lens right. sold out right you know so i mean that was the irony when the whole oh, they're sellouts da, 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 came around i'm like well dude this whole scene started from bands that right. were i mean the sex pistols definitely you know there's the argument that they were basically a boy band put together by malcolm <laughs> mclaren which isn't you know there's there's some validity to that to right. a degree you know i've fucking love the sex pistols though they'll change my life right absolutely you know but but there's definitely an argument there so I mean, it's pop. It's pop, you know. So so like, no matter what it is, like it's 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 made it to where everybody fucking wants to hear it, and everybody it's popular, right? You know, right? right. It's something that and then but popular. then the argument is that that's not our shit, you know, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it. Uh, so as far as so so Fang had we had uh, we had toured a lot. You know, things were you know. Um, we had become fairly well known in the underground punk rock scene. We had moved to Europe, so we were also becoming known in Europe. Uh, we were going, we were recording our records in Germany, and we were. You guys actually relocated. Yeah, we oh, relocated cool. to Bremen, Germany. We first uh, we went to England. Well, it was supposed to be the, the four of us. So, um, and so. I was uh, a drug dealer, you know, and I was also like working, so I was making quite a bit of money. And I told the guys in the band, I'm like, look, I want to go to Europe. And so if you guys get your shit together, uh, all you got to do is, I think it was like $200 or $300. I'm like, I'll give you three months to make $300 for your plane ticket. And then I'll fucking take care of us once we get over there until we can like get on our feet and get you know, and get rolling. Right. So, and, and what had inspired this whole move was we, we were on tour and I'd met this guy named Angus uh, when we were in Vancouver, Washington. We stayed at Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. We stayed at uh, the DOA house, uh, the manor. Uh, Joey Shit had had a the punk rock house in Vancouver that a lot of the band stayed at and we would stay at. We would go there. And so I met this English, you know, this guy from England, Angus, this kid, and he was staying at the manor. And he's like, you guys should come to, you know, come to the UK. And so I'm like, okay, cool. And so I didn't really think he expected us to actually do <laughs> Hi. it. Yes, it was, it was kind of yeah. like that. But the other thing that happened was uh, the only person who got it together to get a plane ticket was the bass player. You know, and so I'm like, well, we're going, yeah. you know. And so we, uh, we first moved to Guilford. That's where Angus lived. And he kind of like when we sort of showed I mean I told him I gave him like a week hey we'll be there in a week and he scrambled and he finally found a squat for us to to crash in yeah. you know because he's like uh, uh, uh I didn't re-, you know like you could tell he didn't really expect expect us to show up but 
Um, so we were living in Guilford. Um, there was a punk rock band called the Stupids from around that time, and we got the drummer Tommy Stupid on drums, and then I found this other guitar player, and we started, um, you know, teaching them the Fang songs. And uh, but this was in 1985, and uh, there were not hard. There were very few show, punk rock shows or places to yeah. play in 85 in the UK. You know, I think like the 100 Club in London was still going on, but it, it had kind of peaked and was in, in a decline right. in 85. And there was a lot of violence, you know, it was like right. problems with the National Front and the skinheads. And so, um, so, and I, you know, I was, uh, I was dealing drugs, but it made me really nervous. And there too, huh? is it, it worse there? And it, well, everyone was really poor. Yeah. In in England, you know that that um, and so I, you know, I'd been dealing acid from the time I was like fifteen, you know, throughout the country, and so I I'd been brought into a a, a crime family when I was pretty when I was fifteen, and so, uh, so I was dealing acid in in the UK, but it made me nervous because. Nobody really had any money, so if anybody wanted to buy quantity, yeah. You're a little suspect. Yeah, yeah, you know, like okay, how come you have money? Because like no one has. What's money. What's funny is is I as as I was watching a podcast or or interview with you, I I I thought to myself, I said I said acid, man, that must be a fucking like grind, you know? Because I mean, two bucks a fucking hit, what you know, three bucks a hit, but then and then right as I said that. He said, "My best customer, you know, he came, uh, you know, once a month for twenty thousand hits, you know." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, no, I it guess was, it was big money. You yeah, know, there was a lot of a lot of money, yeah. and the markup too. You know, like, uh, uh, especially like in in Europe, you know, I think it's been so long if I can remember the numbers, but you know, I was paying twenty five cents a hit for acid, wow. right? And I would sell it for ten marks, which I think at that time, if I recall. I want to say it was four dollars. I could be wrong, but if you know, that's a pretty good markup. Yeah. If you're paying twenty five cents, yeah. you're making you know in any market, four yeah. Bucks. yeah, yeah, that's that's good economics right, right. there. <laughs> so, um, but in in England, like I said, everyone was real. Like people were really, you know, like people were poor. You know that yeah. there was not a lot of work. We couldn't find any kind of like under the table work either. You know, uh, and so anybody that wanted to buy like a hundred hits, I. It made me really yeah. fucking nervous. And, you, and you're you not know? from there, so you don't you don't really know where right. this guy. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, uh, so all those sort of things combined. After I don't know, we were there for th I think maybe three months. You know, and and even though we had a band, there was like no place to play shows. You know, there right. was not even any shows going on to go see. Really, you know, we traveled down to London, but. It just nothing. It just did not seem to be happening. God, to be a promoter us. in that day and age, like like when when there's nothing else, like just you know, if you got a show that's got punk, you know, like you're getting everybody, you know, right? Everybody's showing up. Yeah, like for sure. It must have been amazing for them. But, you know, uh, but uh, so I had a number, a phone number from Dave from MDC uh, because they had actually gone toured in Europe. They were one of the first. You know, like uh, American punk rock bands to actually tour over in Europe, and he'd give me a number for a woman in Bremen, Germany, and so I just cold called, said, "Hey, my name's Sammy. I play in this punk rock band called Fang. Uh, we're coming to Germany." And she's like, "Okay, when are you gonna be here?" You know, she spoke English. She's like, "Yeah, come on." 
you know, and uh, everything super clicked for us there. You know, I yeah. told you, I, you know, like we had a free place to stay in a decent apartment. We had a free rehearsal space, picked up other musicians immediately. There was a, a really lively scene going on yeah. in Bremen shows all the time. And, and we just fell in and uh, it, it was, it was awesome for me. Um, and so we stayed, you know, and we recorded, uh, you know, recording was much cheaper. We recorded with this guy, Jorg Zima, and he was uh, Boy George's sound man. Really? Like, yeah, he, yeah. his regular job was, he worked for uh, Culture Club and Boy George. You nice. know, he was, he, every time they would go out on the road, he would, he, he was their sound guy and he had a little recording studio. He was from Bremen and, uh, and everything like they, uh, I didn't, you know, didn't find out till a little bit later after we'd been there, but in Bremen they drank like I drank, you yeah. know, and, and they were, they were brawlers. Well, it's know? historically angry, right? Yes. Like, <laughs> and it's funny because, uh, you know, there was a huge war at that time between the, the skinheads and the punk rockers. Really? And it was like, like trying to like fight on site. You really? saw, yeah, it was like, there was no, you know, and, and these guys, they were like, they they had a street gang called the Outsiders. It was you know uh, ASL Anti Skin League, and you know if th there were neighborhoods, you know like we were in uh, in a certain neighborhood that was basically a punk rock neighborhood, and if the, a skinhead was because the skinheads were Nazis. I wonder what what, what differentiated was it like like the like the suspenders. Was it like well, that everyone you know, like you could you, you kind of and in in Germany too. It was funny because the scenes were, you know, you had your uh, is that the cat? Yeah, must be. Sorry, yeah. uh, he's a he's a, he's a brawler, but he can't quite get out. He goes under there, can't get out, and he's then trapped. And then I, I don't help him because you went under there yourself, you know. <laughs> but uh, but they, you know, the skinheads in Germany at that time were all you know white power you know yeah. hardcore nazi skinheads and and so the the punk rockers there i mean we were at it was street fight you know on site every time and um and they were you know so that must have been so confusing to people that did that that just were you know onlookers like who, who's who like yeah <laughs> why and what's the deal like right. what's going on you yeah. know um but it, it i fell in to to that scene in Bremen and and to, totally fell in love, you know. And it was it, uh, I, I was jumped into the street gang, which they didn't in, they didn't bring in my bass player, but they they jumped me into the to the street gang. You know? Oh yeah, so I was part of the part of the gang, uh, and uh, um, yeah, I was invited to you know get jumped in. And the bass player wasn't, but. But it for me it was just like it it clicked. What was so up with hard. the bass player? Why he get? What's up with him? He probably wasn't as enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. Yeah, that's go. a great way to put it. You know, he 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 was there because we also like they would have big shows and all of us uh, we all would work security. You know, we got into a big fight one night with uh, the Free Eagles. The Free Eagles were the. German Bremen biker gang, oh, okay. and it was I think it was uh, it was a New Year's Eve show and Man of War I think it was playing. It was like this big you know metal yeah. head and uh, and this biker gang called the Free Eagles showed up and it and it became this huge 
huge brawl. You wow. know, I don't even remember what kicked it off, but all of a sudden it was like the the uh, outsiders against yeah. the Free Eagles and Joe. Joe, he was he he fought you know with us too, but I don't know. He was never uh, he was never as enthusiastic, you know, right. and uh, and. It sounds like they're kind of about their shit. So. Yeah, and the funny thing was is that I just figured that all of Germany was like this, right. you know. And then I remember the first time we went to we went to Hanover. There was about ten of us that all piled into a couple cars, and Peter and the test two babies were playing in Hanover, you know. So we had you know like ten Brem punks. The great you know, name. Had, yeah, had rolled over to Hanover to see Peter and the test two babies, and we get there, and so I'm trying to you know like i try and find the promoter because i'm you know we hadn't started playing out yet but we were about to start touring you know so i went up found the promoter introduced myself I'm like hey you know i play in this american punk rock band and you know we're going to start touring when i come through and play hanover and he's like oh you know great he goes so where where are you living you know and i said oh well we're living in bremen and he goes oh you mean you're with yeah. the Bremen punks. Right. You know? Oh, those guys. <laughs> yes, yeah. and it was so funny because I thought just everyone right. in Germany was like that. And I, yeah. the Bremen punks were, uh, they were notorious, yeah. you know. Uh, so it was just ironic, you know. But uh, but I loved it there. It was awesome scene. You know, it's funny, the, 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 the cities, because I'm, I'm allowed to see the cities that people listen to this podcast. Mm -hmm. and, and everywhere in Europe that listens to this podcast... I've Googled, you know, right, and, and it looks like every scene in like Hostel, you know, like just like just a rundown, like like you like this place is you're gonna get killed if you're an American walking through there, you know, and I I love it, I think it's great. That's your uh, that's your demographic, I guess, <laughs> I guess. I'm surprised that that they even found it, you know, but uh, I'm happy with the with it. But uh, so then, at what point did you come back to the United States? Well, so we live there and. We toured there. I made a lot of connections there. Uh, I, you know, I started. I was dealing back and forth from there. And um, from like mail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. The acid was super easy. It, it is right. It was like so uh, easy. But when we first went over there, when we first went to Europe, I'd taken ten thousand hits, and what I'd done is I'd taken a, a box of Landshark records and I'd put a thousand hits in each record, and I it was on paper, unprinted and unperfed. So it was right. just a piece of blotter paper. Right. And then when I got there, and then maybe I would... a little rough, right? Like it's just a little thicker yeah. paper, you know? Yeah. And But if anybody opened the record, it's just, you know, like an extra piece of paper in there. Yeah. You know, I say, oh, well, it's to protect the records so they don't get hurt, and yeah. you know, shipping overseas. You know, who's going to, you know... And no people one. were... No one. You know, this is 85. There was a lot more ignorance around shit like that. And... Um, They're more worried about weed. At that point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and they were looking for cocaine yeah, too, you know cocaine, cocaine and, and marijuana so that was pretty easy i did get uh i did get busted in germany with acid um at one point but it was um it, it wrote a song about it there's uh wrote a song called f-u-c-k-y-o-u about getting arrested in in germany with acid it's on one of our records but yeah. they i came out of this bar and the cops just fucking grabbed me and searched me because you know a friend of mine was a bartender there but i guess it was a known hash bar you know and um and so since i just walked in she wasn't there and walked back out they figured i'd made a buy mm -hmm. you know because i just walked in yeah who'd you buy it from yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so they were they were watching it so they 
searched me. They found acid on me. I think I only had just like four hits or something on me. But they took me down to the police station, and and I'm like, this is pretty fucked. Like this could go, you know, this could go really bad. I didn't want right. to get deported, you know. Um, but there were two cops, and one of the cops. It was just funny, man. I just got this feeling about this one cop, you know, that he, he just struck me as shady. Oh, yeah. And so I, I waited until it was just me and, and him, like the other cop went in the other room. And I'm like, hey, you know, and they've got me in, like in a cell at this point, you know, right. but, you know, he's on the other side. There's, you know, it's just like a holding tank. And, you know, he's like, what? I said, so I said, how much? You know, and he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, how much to get me out of here? And he said, 400 marks, which was, you know, it, I think that was... Hey, recording. Uh, it was not chump change, you know, uh, 400 marks, you know, at that time. What do you think, what do you think the transfer rate was? I, I'm trying to remember now. I want to say... God, I, I don't know. I mean, I know it was at least... It was probably at least uh, maybe $200 or okay. something. You oh, know, yeah. It was, so manageable. It was, yeah. For me, you yeah. know, but I mean, for, you know, the street kid, that was, that was a lot of money, you yeah. know, it's like a, a month's rent on an apartment, you know, or something like that, you know, yeah. 400 marks probably. Uh, and so I said, okay, hand me the phone. You know, when he said 400 marks, I'm like, yeah, hand me the phone. So I made a phone call to, I was staying in an apartment with a bunch of other guys, you know, and I'm yeah. like, hey trio in my room it's like <laughs> go to my room yeah. in the you know get and bring it to the back door oh you had it yeah yeah, yeah okay. like go, go into my room this is where the money is pull out 400 marks come to the back door of the police station and, and he's like what i'm like just just do it he goes okay you know about 20 minutes later there's a knock on the back door of the police wow. station and he opens the door hands him fucking you know they let me out and hand him four hundred marks. Just that particular dude, right? Like, like got. I yeah, I, like I don't know. It might have been. A, it, it, maybe they were all like that. Yeah. But I definitely had a sense that he was like that. I didn't get that sense from the other guy. You know? It'd be a little rougher of a transaction in the United States, I think. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now Mexico, you can still Dude. still make moves like that, but. Uh, I woke up in Mexico one day with a with a senior frogs T-shirt on and one shoe, in jail. And I, oh, and I was like, "Where were you, uh, Ensenada?" Or I don't even know. I, know, I walked out of there. Literally walked. Oh, out really? Of, just with one shoe. Just you hobbled know. your way yeah. out the out but, the uh, door. But even getting out early, I think, cost me like what what I had. You know. Oh, of course. Like, yeah. 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 Sixty you, bucks. You know. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so so. Uh, so what point did you guys you guys come back to the United States? Right. So then, well, we got sidetracked there. We came uh, after living there for a year. We came back because we wanted to keep touring in the U in the U.S. too. So then we were we were just going back. We were going back and forth. We were doing. Um, I bought an, uh, I bought a van. We were living in Germany, and I'd given it to the people that we were living with because they'd started a, a booking company. They were booking. That's why everything kind of worked out really well too. We showed up. They wanted to start booking uh, tours in Europe, and so we were like their flagship band. You know, they right. had an American punk rock band that they could promote, uh, and um, so it worked out very well for everybody. And then I just gave them the van, to, so that way they had a van for any of the bands that came nice. in. And when we came back, you know, we yeah, had a, a van to tour, and so so we then we started going back and forth. So 
the question before we got fucking sidetracked <laughs> uh, was where we were in our career before I went to prison and and it uh, we were touring a lot we were making a lot of we were making records um, but I was a you know towards the end I was a really fucking strung out on heroin I was yeah. you know had really fallen apart um, we had gotten an offer from Sub Pop uh Right before things fell apart, to, for a, like to do a five record deal, you know. That's a big deal. And that was a big deal yeah. at the time. And Sub Pop were right, you know, like that was like right when things were just about to sort of explode for Sub Pop, right? You know, and so they had uh, they'd offered us that deal. Um, we had another. Like what? What did that deal have attached to it? Uh, besides the regular shit, like were they offering some kind of like sign-on bonus? Were they offering? You know what I I I don't remember. I do remember that um, I was leery about signing with anybody for five records. That seemed like a a a really big right. commitment, you know. Um, and and. To me, I was still very much from the sort of underground ethos. It's not like I necessarily wouldn't have signed to Sub Pop uh, if they probably if they'd have come and said, "Let's you know give us two you know let's do two records." I probably right. said, "Let's do it," you know. But since it was five, I I think that I was a little leery about making a commitment that that big of a commitment, you know. I wonder how many people get get caught in that situation and and then they're like, "Fuck." And then they just crank out four fucking four records it's like super <laughs> super common, <laughs> really. You know, and yeah. in fact, uh, even uh, so, Green Day, which they you know cover a Fang song. Um, Let's talk about that. So I so Buttle Surfers and Nirvana, Nirvana have, have Gr- covered your shit. Green Day, Metallica. How is that? How does that feel, man? <laughs> That's got to be like to me like the whole story. I'm like, that's got to be fucking amazing, man. You're like Kurt Cobain, you know, fucking like Metallica. Yeah, it's, I mean, Metallica, they were like home, you know, there was like, there was, they were all East Bay. Yeah. You know, we used to all party together. So, I, so that's a little, I mean, they were like, they became, you know, next level huge. Yeah. But uh, that one's, I don't know. It's, uh, I look at it, I feel very uh, humbled to know that something that I did had an influence right. on music in general because those are you know those bands had Pivotal, huge yeah. impact across the board on on music worldwide you know Metallica Nirvana and Green Day those are pretty you know they had a, a pretty tremendous impact on on music so that's pretty humbling yeah you know that it's like wow okay you know uh, certainly, like, uh, you know, being a 16-year-old punk rock kid is nothing that I could have even, it's beyond comprehension, you know, because that was not what it was about. We were just trying to... Well, I feel like I feel like the the hiccup of, of you going to prison was like, was what kept everything from just like going exactly the same place as Nirvana as as, as oh, yeah. you know I mean it's just kind of it just kind of halted things 
Yes. And, and then the scene changed, right? Like, yes. Then, then you know. Yeah. So. I, I mean, if I, I, who knows what would have happened if I, you know, I mean, we, yeah, we'll never we, know. You know, we'll never know. It, Yeah. Hey.